Hello, everyone. This is part two of our podcast with uh, Dave Marcinkowski, partner at Madeira. In part two, we talked to Dave about innovation at Madeira, building a mindset and culture for innovation at the executive level. If you missed part one, I highly encourage you to go check it out. Welcome to part two of our chat with Dave. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, you mentioned a, a, a word, disruption. Like, talk to us about property management disruption that's happening in that space. Our, our industry is at a very unique point. Well, one, if you if you track, let's just use technology, which is the big place for disruption. Um, our industry is dominated by a handful of large technology providers. Good people, good companies and everything, but they were built back in the late 90s, early 2000s. And under technology back then, they were created with these data structures where, you know, you know, they, they call them monolithic. They're just like, kind of like long and narrow. Yeah. Um, the challenge with them, with those is you, you break something over, you, you fix something over here, you might be breaking something over there and not realizing it. And so you're always spinning plates with that tech. Um, the other thing with our providers in our space is they don't play nice with others. They, you know, you have, a, you have a company, you know, like a real page that likes to buy the small guy and integrate it into their product line. Um, I'll argue that that's where good tech, good ideas go to die. You know, the good, the good idea gets taken to a good point. It's not great yet, but it's good. It gets acquired and it stops there. You know, what we need are for people to really own those for the duration and take those good ideas and keep iterating to them to make them the great ideas. But our industry hasn't really uh, embraced that. And I'm not picking on real page or Yardy or anything, but like the mindset is such that, you know, because of these long data structures and the fact that I could, do something over here and break something over there, it, it causes them to have to be very frugal in their inter interactions with, their, with, with other companies. So I may have a really good third-party provider for utility billing. Well, I not to get them to integrate with who my property management software is. Property management software guy is, is reluctant to go too far because one, they've got their own utility billing product. They don't want to give business to a competitor. Two, they've got this fear that if they give too much data up, it's going to somehow other screw up their system. And so they just make it hard. And with that, I think it is, it is it forced us to be stagnant with adoption of new technology. So Moore's Law, I can tell you Moore's Law, every two years technology doubles, which is true. It's been right. proven over and over again. Totally. Our space, it doesn't exist that way. New technology is about once every decade or so. And so here we are at a time where you've got blockchain and crypto. You've got VR and AR. You've got digital people, you've got, you know, IOT, and we can go on and on and on with all this great technology that is only getting better every single year. And our industry is still trying to figure out how to make it where you can lease an apartment from your home uh, in the middle of the night. You know, something that we should have been doing 20 years ago, we still can't do well today. And it's just shocking. And so what, what does that mean? That means it's a great opportunity for entrepreneurs to come in and disrupt our industry. It's awesome. Now, um, you know, you've championed investing in innovation. A lot of times that is seen, you know, kind of going back to your point about the, you know, industry and where it, is, where it stands, it's like 20 years behind. You know, it's seen as a potential budget that you could save on. You know, how do you, as a digital leader, overcome that mindset, you know, when you talk to your peers and, you know, executives and board? I think, I think today, I think the challenge is, is that we're so used, you know, especially seasoned leadership that's been in our industry for a while, they're so used to, this is how we've always done it. Kind of the mindset that exists right now. And while they'll read about and see about new technology, there aren't a lot of success stories of new tech coming into our space 
and lasting or not getting acquired by another company and things like that. And so I think you have to sort of be patient and educate. Like one area is this whole idea of Wi-Fi and video in a, in a true bulk format like we did with Quex Connect. Okay. There was, we weren't the first ones to do it. There were a couple of companies, big companies who were playing around with it. But now I can tell you, everybody's looking at it because like at Madeira with our properties, not only did we save our residents a bunch of money, and when you do that, it opens the door for you to be able to raise rents. Like, hey, we're going to raise your rents a little bit, but we just saved you 80 bucks on your, on your cable and internet bill. So that makes that conversation a little bit more palatable. Um, at the other side of the coin is we didn't talk about the property owner. At that $89 price point, Madeira right now is averaging over $30 per unit per month in uh, revenue, non-rent revenue that we never even saw before. Like we weren't even considering. Well, that, you know, I, we did 26 properties. Our first, we, we didn't screw around. We said, we're going to go out, we're going to knock this thing out. We did 26 properties, 7,200 units. I can tell you that today that 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 what we that choice we made then and this ability to build this idea of building this concept out created over $60 million of value on those properties. And we've been selling those properties and capturing that value. And I can prove that. Well, that message is getting out. And now people are like, okay, wait a minute. What do you guys do again? Let's talk about that because I see what you're saying. And it's the same thing with IoT. You know, it's an area where you can generate, you can bring a value to your resident, soft amenities to your resident, as well as you can make, we can make profitability off of that. And I think it's going to be those kinds of things, you know, um, blockchain and crypto, you know, there's no reason. I mean, blockchain was built for real estate. There's, you know, there's no reason why we should be doing some of the things we're doing. As crypto takes hold, there's no reason why maybe you can open the, the, the universe of unaccredited investors into the investment portfolio of real estate that, that makes sense, that is easy through a coin or something. Well, I'm not sure Yardy or RealPage is thinking like that. You're going to need aggressive young entrepreneurs to come in and do that. But it's not like we're going to like show up and say, look, it makes sense. Just do it. And people are going to go, oh, yeah, sure. You're going to have to overcome those barriers that people have. Of like, okay, wait a minute. We've always done it this way. What you're saying is we got to now do it this way. <laughs> you, you're going to be, have to be able to tell that story over and over. And that's where I think the, the beauty of what we've done with Madera and Quext is we can go and prove it at Madera. Anything that I've talked to you about here right now, it's like one of your listeners is like, yeah, I don't buy that. 7,200 units, $60 million of value. I can prove it. I can now sit in front of an owner, a peer of mine, um, and I can say, listen, here's what we did at Madeira. This is exactly how it worked. These are the numbers. It makes sense. And that, that's a much more compelling story than sitting in front of some sales guy in a bar and then you know, kind of talking big picture and you know, you know, high in the sky stuff. Um, being able to be able to touch it and see it and feel that's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, now, it, you talked about crypto, blockchain, all of those cutting edge technologies. Now, let's talk about AI. It's definitely reaching mainstream. What is the role of data in solving property management issues? Tell us a little bit about that use cases. Well, let me start from the beginning. So data in our space right now is not aggregating very well. Um, again, you've got a handful of companies who, who own all the data. And it's funny, if you talk to the operators, the operators are going to say that way, that's my data. And the big tech's going to go, no, it's our data. So, and then where it gets really tricky in our space is we can never agree on what what is, what are the uniform pieces of data? Like we can't mm -hmm. like, you know, what is a unit? What is a property? You know, we have to be able to like, these can't be, okay, it works this way for one person. You know, those, those common basic elements have got to be consistent. And so what I what I see happening is you're, there's groups out there right now who are kind of in their, their garages um, or just started to come out who are going to be data aggregators, who are going to pull data from all these different sources, 
wash it off, level it off, clean it up to where we can now start to do something. Mm -hmm. um, there is so much data that we have. I, like, I believe very strongly, A, data should be a, uh, on your balance sheet as a real estate group because it's that valuable. Because um, we know so much about a person. We know, you know what their preferences are, where they live, how far do they work from us. And, and go on and on and on and on. Where, do, where are they ordering their Ubers from? And things. We could get to some of that data. And if you could sit there and aggregate it and provide it in a format that allows you to make manageable, you know, actionable management decisions, that becomes extremely valuable. And we've got a treasure trove of that available to us. And so, you know, our, our challenge right now is, is we have to figure out how to properly aggregate it and clean it up and make it available to, to folks to be able to, to, to look at it and put, put machine learning or AI on it and be able to pull out those, those kernels of information that we need to be able to, to, to make decisions and, and create opportunities for profitability. Yeah, that's great. Now, um, you know, your background coming from operations, right? Um, a lot of times digital leaders have tech adoption issues. Talk to us about working with stakeholders, you know, when they feel displaced or perhaps their roles and responsibilities may change. What are some strategies you have adopted, kind of, you know, having that background, empathizing with them? Like, tell us a little bit about the approaches that have worked for you uh, that other leaders could perhaps try. I, I think, you know, when we look at technology in particular, um, we, we get comfortable with what's familiar to us. So, you know, people are, you know, you, they like Microsoft or they like Google or they like Excel, you know, Excel, they like Google Sheets and they like Outlook or do they like, you know, everybody's got their preferences. And so you've got to play to that. You've got to be able to create solutions that can work in all those environments and give decision makers the flexibility to build out the suite of products that they need. And, you know, one of the one of the things that we did at Quex was we said, this monolith concept, throw it out the window. That doesn't make any sense. It's hard to plug things into it, but we can't use that. So we went out and we built a, a true microservices product so we can plug things in and out and we can interchange different things depending on totally API driven and we can work with really anybody in that space. So it's going to take us time to get the APIs right and whatnot. But what we do offer people is the flexibility to choose the solutions that they want and, and be able to create the environment that they need. Like you can talk to 10 of the best operators in our space. And in general, we're going to kind of say the same thing when it comes to running a property or running your company the best way. But we all have our own ways of getting there. And what happens today is, is um, and I call it tribalism. We get stuck in a particular tribe and we can't get out. Now the tribe's making the decision. Okay, who, who's Yardies go to for this? Who's real pages go to? Instead of it being, well, what do we at Madeira? What do we think is the who's the who are the best solutions we want to use right. and try and plug in? We want to provide that kind of a solution. And so we have an advantage. I think it'll give us the an opportunity to be able to pick up some, you know, decent sized customers. But the big customers out there, the big property management operators, those are titanic. Those are huge boats. Right. It's going to be hard to change. It's going to come from the, the little the little guys that just giving them that flexibility and the ability for them to do the things that they want to do. Is you're going to build this sort of grassroots groundswell, and then it's going to push into the bigger into the bigger players. Because typically, how the environment works today is the big decision, the big property operators make decisions, and it trickles its way down to where we all have to conform with that. Um, when you have if technology is truly democratizing the process, which it should democratize the the whole thing. It's going to start from the bottom and work its way up. That's how it should work. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's something to be said about organic development, right? So, you know, then it's like a solution that 
is actually a better solution rather than kind of throwing something over the wall uh, to a group of stakeholders who have no interest. Um, you know, what is your advice to perhaps, you know, if you were to reach a hand out to, you know, like your COO, um, you know, in your past life, what would that, what would your advice be? What, what are some suggestions for CIOs to collaborate with CIO, COOs uh, and perhaps CFOs too, like other executive leadership? I think too many times CEOs, um, and I guess to a certain degree CFOs, um, it's like, okay, that's the CIO's job. So that's over here. They got that, you know, I'll tell them what I want, and then they're going to go figure it out. Uh, in today's environment, it's got to be more collaborative. CEOs and CFOs, if they're not if they're not staying abreast to what's going on in the technology space, they're missing out. Um, technology is moving faster than it has ever before, and it's only speeding up. And technology can and does impact everything that we do if we allow it to. And so, technology has to be a part of the CEO's mission, uh, CFO's mission, and it can't be just something that is left to the CIO to go and do and figure out and own and not have any collaboration there. So I, I, I think it's about that relationship that you you create this sort of team approach, this collaborative approach, and everybody's got to be rowing the boat in the same direction. It can no longer be the CEO going, well, I don't know how that works. That's, yeah, that's you techie guys. That's, that's your job. I don't know what that means. They've got to know and understand and have a vision for where they're trying to go in that space.